Hello and welcome to Cody and Corbin have a podcast, the show where two former roommates chat because we're back with another cap chat. It's cap chat number five. As always, I'm your host, Corbin's vocal and joining me in person right next to me. Whoa. Once again, my co-host Cody <laughs> Webb. Cody, what's going on, man? We're back in person. I'm excited. Uh, these cap chats are always really fun, I think. And uh, this episode, it's it's a lot of random cap chats. New York too. City edition, baby. True, true. <laughs> So I made the trip up to New York here finally to, to visit Corbino, and uh, we saw a lot of movies, and we talked about a lot of movies. So we've, we've, we are recording this intro after yeah. we've recorded the others, and I will apologize for any audio yeah. you may hear. But the thing is, what we did is we went and saw a couple movies in theaters, we rented a couple, and just when we got out, we you know broke out the phone and just recorded our thoughts for about 10 minutes. So the following conversation, you can, you can find in the description, but we're going to talk about like... The Ninja Turtles movie, The Last Voyage of the Demeter, uh, Possession, Blast from the Past, Aliens from James Cameron. There's a wide variety. You can check the description to find, you know, the individual timestamps. Yeah. There's a specific conversation you want to hear, but it's kind of just a wide ranging uh, conversation. And, you know, kind of just as we, we travel through the city. Yeah. Just a little quick fun reviews of stuff we saw over the weekend. And like I said, uh, like some recent stuff, some old stuff. So a good little mix. I think uh, if you find your sweet spot, definitely stick around because uh, just some fun conversations overall. But yeah, definitely a good episode, I think. We hope you enjoy uh, Cap Chat number five and definitely go check out the uh, other four editions. And uh, shout out to Mina for joining us again for a couple of these recordings. True. Shout out. Big ups to Mina. All right, Cody. So we <laughs> just got out of the last voyage of the Demeter. We did. Which is interesting because... I don't think you even knew the title going into the movie. What were your, what were your expectations? I, yeah. Vampires on a boat. I think you maybe thought there was pirates involved. Obviously, that's not right. So just walk us through. Yeah. You know, it's kind of confusing going in. It really just sounds like uh, Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Mm. I feel like it's obviously you a classic Narnia fan. Yeah, classic Narnia book. Um, terrible Narnia movie. But yeah, and then you said it was about vampires and stuff. So I was like, I'm not sure about that. Because it seems like they're on a boat the entire movie. So is Johnny Depp in this or what's going on? <laughs> hey, when the fog rolls in the third act, I was getting major Black Pearl vibes. So I 100% yeah. uh, get that. Let's talk about our theater experience. We went to the uh, AMC Kipps Bay in New we York did. City. Had a nice little walkover. Uh, I did get us lost a few times. So I, I apologize <laughs> for that, Cody. You know, it's all right. It's a, it's a big city. I would probably get lost. <laughs> we, we, uh, we're hopping trains. Let's say that. I, I'm normally on it, but today was not the day. We got some honking going on. We love to be in the city. First of all, what did we both get? Uh, I went for the yeah. pretzel with cheese, pretzel bites with cheese, and, and then an icy. Yeah. And you got? I also got an icy. Uh, a little cherry Coke action. Pretty solid. And I got a dog, too. Uh, not too bad, actually. Yeah, For AMC standards. I would say that's probably one of the better dogs I've had at one of their theaters, so respect to them. I enjoyed the pretzel bites. They did leave oil stains all over <laughs> my pants that make it look like I pissed myself. Not the first time this has happened. Good excuse. Same pants, so <laughs> I, I should have known what to expect. Inside the theater, we, we had some interesting characters yeah. attending the film. Uh, there was a woman, you know, 75 plus in the, the wheelchair section of the, the movie, and when, when mm -hmm. I got there, I said, you know, this is a horror movie. It's an intense film. I said, do you think, you know, she, she's in, she knows what she's in for? She gonna stick it out, and you said I thought she would. I mean, you believed, yeah, but I was very wrong. You obviously. were very wrong. <laughs> Whoa, say three fourths of the way. Yeah, it was almost like right. She made it third pretty act. far, so I think she just probably saw the main themes. There was like, she got I'm it. not gonna like the ending anyway. She read Dracula. <laughs> 
true. She's a big fan. She's probably just disappointed with the adaptation, I would say. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, she, she got the picture. And then on top of that, there was a person seated one seat over from you who <laughs> arrived at some point Somewhere. in this Somewhere. movie. Somewhere. Probably, probably like halfway. No, it was probably about time Grandma left. Uh, that guy okay. came rolling. Yeah, he in, came honestly. in. It was close. Um, and I, he was on his phone a little bit. Very br brightness all the way up, but the hand over it, which yeah, I think is a pro, <laughs> pro move. Um, just turn the brightness, guys. I mean, I don't like phones on in the theater, but at least turn the brightness yeah. on, down. Have some. Uh, do it at least do it smart. Exactly. That would make sense. However, uh, when we reach the final act of the movie, phone comes back out. He starts recording. I was curious. My question was like, did you want it to remember the moment? Did you want it to sell them, like to post online? I imagine that's yeah. probably true. Like, I oh, here's the final battle of- Yeah, it's going straight to TikTok, I believe. <laughs> I don't Reddit, know where Reddit's, else it would be Reddit's seeing it, I yeah. think, maybe. There's no, uh, you know, people who like go and film the entire movie, uh, bootlegs. There's no bootlegs. I mean, hey, this right? was opening weekend. So he's he's trying to get that, uh, <laughs> that footage of the CGI out there. Do you think when he posts it, it's with like a hate comment or like an appreciation. He's like, look how bad this is or like check out how sick this is. I think it's probably just neutral. It's probably neutral, like, just oh, like check out cash uh, in. You know, the first good look at Dracula. Maybe he was hopping theaters the and just catching the end of every movie. Yeah, to honestly, get. that's I believe that it's entirely possible. Yeah. Let's talk about the actual film. Uh, what do you think of it? I, I think you enjoyed it more than. Me. Yeah, I actually didn't mind it that much. I mean, it's pretty much just the thing of it's basically an alien movie but it's on a boat and it's it's just dracula instead of an alien so, exactly i mean i like alien so it was obviously had a bunch of riffs on that it's based off of a, a dracula novel itself that that's one thing i did not enjoy is the opening text of the movie yeah where it's like blah 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 but then it literally says based on the captain's log of the dracula novel so <laughs> which is like a weird thing to put in the opening text of, like that's fine if I, I i knew going in like that's what it's based on it's based on like basically a chapter or like uh -huh. a prologue of the bram stroker original dracula source material and i think that's a really cool idea i hated that they had to like point that out in their, yeah. their opening crawl because i mean i feel like i don't try to know too much about it and then if you just tell me at the beginning Oh, like Dracula's in this. This is Dracula this getting is shipped story. from Romania to England. Yeah. Like it's literally it's like oh okay, setup. like I know everyone's gonna die basically, and like, we're gonna you know what's gonna come. We'll keep this spoiler free, but like right after that, it, it well, jumps yeah. into <laughs> the story of like the the boat crashing in, and like I think that would just be just as effective of an opening if they had just gone straight into the action. I guess this is what happens. I do kind of like the ending at, uh, at the beginning of the film, and then obviously. It, you it's just, a classic you Cody. Yeah, opening and closing <laughs> shots. Really, you know, yeah. movies open and close. Very you got to keep. Uh, you got to keep it similar. But I thought that was good. I mean, the action I think is not the best, just because of the CG Dracula. I don't. That think, is the main thing we have. Yeah, to talk about. I think everything else around that I do like. The acting was pretty good. Sir Davos, Corey Hawkins, I thought was actually a pretty good lead, which I didn't expect that much. The main girl, who I don't even know her name, I thought she was good and in limited time as well. And then we got to shout out our boy, David Dismalkin. Oh, David Dismalkin. The reason we ever even talked about this That's true, that guy, he made, time. he was number two on my underrated actors list. And I was, in, in that I said, give him more supporting roles. And that's pretty much what they're doing, it looks like. I don't know if this is the most mainstream movie ever, but hey, David Dismalkin. Uh, was in a supporting role, so I think that's cool. I thought he was pretty fun in this. He's kind of trying to do a little bit more of a hard ass thing, which I yeah. don't know if it wore not really the whole his, time. His stick, his shtick. Second mate, you know, or first mate maybe uh, <laughs> to the captain, the, the second in line. Yeah. Um, shout out to Aisling Franciosi, yeah. who plays the uh, the character of Anna in this. She's an Italian 
Irish. I actor. thought she was pretty good, actually. She's in Game of Thrones. Okay, she looks somewhat recognizable. She plays Lyanna. Lyanna Stark in Game of Thrones. There you go. I, I don't know who that is because I've never seen uh, Game of Thrones, but you'll you'll have to do some research on that. But yeah, I, I mean, I think that's probably the, the extent that I have to say about this movie. Yeah. Um, I didn't love it. I agree the CGI Dracula wasn't super effective. It, it, it looked cool at moments, but I... I like the idea of like Dracula that can exist in like a human form and kind of walk amongst people yeah. than rather like an all like he's, constant like creature from hell. He's just a bat in this movie. Basically. Right. He's literally a monster. Like you said, it's alien, yeah. right? It's like yeah. you have an alien on your ship. Do you think this uh, like 15 years ago, Rachel Weiss plays that uh, that role, the female character role? Rachel she's like Weiss. like a Rachel Weiss type role. Yeah. Maybe just because she's a I can see it. person with an accent and dark hair. But That's true. In a, in a monster movie. <laughs> Let's talk about the uh, state of the universal and, and their adaptation of, yeah, of the classic monster films. Because this is a universal film. This year we've seen Renfield and uh, the Voyage of the uh, or Last Voyage of the Demeter. <laughs> Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Obviously, they tried to do the uh, the Tom Cruise mummy extended yeah, yeah. monster universe, Doctor Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, that went well. Yeah, that that was really a, a great plan from them. This is what they're doing now, finding these ways to <clears throat> adapt things in a different way. What do you think about that? I mean, I like it. I guess they're at least trying to do something different from what they failed like four or five times in a row. So I like the creativity, and I mean, for this film, it had to be a pretty low budget, and. I think for the people that got it, actually, I don't know much about the director, but like I, I thought it was at least a good swing. I don't know if it's anything they can really build off of or they want to build off of, but it's a fun one-off. Seemed like there was maybe some hinting at the doing a sequel or you know yeah. setting up, leaving the room know. for it. There is a whole novel to explore. Uh, if I guess. this movie does really well, maybe, but I don't think it will. Yeah, I don't know. There was a couple people in our theater, but you know, Friday afternoon, opening weekend. Um, definitely curious to see what it does uh, domestically and internationally. Any final thoughts on this one, Cody? For me, it's got to be all about Sir Davos. Shout out Game of Thrones. <laughs> he's a great captain uh, in this film, and he's an even greater one in Game of Thrones. So, yeah, that's that's kind of why I like this movie, if I'm being honest. Good fire in this. That's what I'll say. <laughs> uh, our next one's uh, TMNT, Mutant Mayhem. So uh, yes, we'll talk about that next. <laughs> and we're back onto the next movie here. It's been a fun day so far. Uh, second movie, went and saw the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. You got the title right. I was, no, uh, I was no colon, ready. I don't believe. There could be a colon. Don't quote me on that. But uh, yeah, we're back. We also have an extra guest this time. So a special welcome to Mina Naki. Hey guys, what's up? She'll be uh, <laughs> appearing throughout as she attends different movies and watches things with us. You know, we, we went to the Alamo Draft House in Lower yeah. Manhattan to uh, watch this movie. It was the first time you'd been to an Alamo. What, what was the experience like for you, Cody? Yeah, it's really cool theater, I think. Um, obviously, they have a bunch of just old-timey relics in there. And they have literally probably every movie you could ever think of. Uh, in their little little case. We got some rentals. We'll be talking about those <laughs> later in the episode. True, but uh, definitely a really good environment. Pretty good food as well. I got a, uh, a pepperoni gotta pickle talk about pizza. Uh, obviously, you know, Ninja Turtle themed, but it was absolutely fire. I'm not going to lie. I don't know if <laughs> you guys 10, out there. Out of 69, what would you give it? At 69, probably like 65. Okay. Four and That's a half stars. Solid for the pickle pizza. pizza. I like pickles. Yeah. What can I say? Uh, I got the chicken tenders and fries. Had a Talia sour to drink. Cody, what'd you have to drink? Uh, some beer. I don't some beer. Know. We don't even know. And Mina, what'd you have? I had two Tito's and Sprites. And, Classic. Um, sweet gochujang. Went for the wings. Wings. A man. messy Ooh. thing to eat at a movie theater. Fucking it's a bold move. They were so 
good. I was like, this is exactly what I needed while watching Ninja Turtles. So. For the most part, I would say the crowd of this movie was pretty calm, a lot better than our uh, yeah, Demeter yeah. crowd. However, our, our waiter, I mean, he- Garbage. We got an <laughs> order of queso delivered to us that uh, did not belong to us. And also I, I, I hated the, they don't normally do the last call thing where he was like going around and saying last call to everyone. I was, I was a little distracted. You just usually are like, oh shit, I didn't order what I wanted to because yeah, yeah. the receipt. I mean, here. I respect the last call. Yeah, but... they're trying to make money, man. But uh, yeah, not as crazy as our, our previous experience here today, but I thought it was good. I mean, I got my pizza early, so I like the waiter. But... <laughs> I feel like there was good laughter. They liked you Crowds for sure. Liked the movie. Our separate tabs did it well. What do you think of the movie, bud? I want to shoot it over you first because I, I don't know what you're going to think, honestly. Well, I feel like we got to talk. We never really gotten deep about this but like ninja turtles for me is a, a childhood classic childhood favorite uh i was not much of a toy kid really or, or much of anything but like i had my ninja turtles toys oh, i wow. watched the ninja turtles animated tv show i loved the classic like 90s movies um secret of the ooze banger of ninja rap yeah um yeah vanilla ice great performance the third movie also an underrated classic but um, <laughs> you lost me there. <laughs> I was uh, I was really happy with this uh, rendition of the the Ninja Turtle world. I definitely have my qualms and I have my complaints that maybe we can talk about here in a little bit uh, without spoiling too much. But uh, what did you think about it, Mina? I dug it. I I'm really into this like animation style that's really popular right now. I think it fits perfectly with the Ninja Turtles. Stuff. I think this is the first Paramount film that we've seen kind of take on the Spider Verse animation uh we saw the dreamworks look of it with yeah. and boots which obviously I did not sony's like continued with really i feel like this is on par with the spider-verse level good with puss and boots it just felt wrong because it felt like it was not the vibe for a lot of it like it tried to force something on puss and boots, and, and that puss and boots i mean traditionally yeah, like fair. the animation with shrek being the traditional dreamworks 3d like cg animation whereas like ninja turtles is a classic like 2d cartoon it's a comic book in some cases so like it, this feels like it fits the aesthetic of what they're going for even more cody yeah were think, you a fan of this one i did like this film yeah I, I think it's obviously a good choice to go back to animation for this franchise i think the 90s really just opened the doors for live action Shout out jim henson <laughs> and i don't know if that was the best thing uh for the world so i'm, I'm glad it's back in its true pure form i think but yeah i mean i think this is a kids movie and uh that you know, is definitely true. I don't know if it'll hold up that well, just because it is like a bunch of pop. It's very modern. Pieces. It's yeah. very of the moment, which, you know, a lot of directors don't even want to like touch making, like handle making a contemporary film. So got to respect them, you know, trying to create something that feels current and can still feel timeless. I felt like this was contemporary in the best way because the references like span several like years. You know, it's kind of like and I felt this was the most. I've ever felt the Ninja Turtles were teenagers. Oh, yeah. The entire last, like, they, 15 year old, it was amazing. Do 15-year-olds like, yeah. like Megamind? Are they still into that? Do they know about that? I, I mean, that's, that's a deep I cut for so. us. I wasn't new when I was 15 I don't know. 15-year-olds, how old were current 15-year-olds when Megamind was released? Babies. Don't want to do the math there and feel, feel real sad. <laughs> um, something that's cool that I think we can talk about, I mean, we're sitting here looking out over New York City, and to me, Ninja Turtles is such a historically New York franchise and New York subject matter. And I think oh, yeah. this movie really showed a great appreciation for that and really kind of leaned into it. Whereas the Michael Bay films especially feel like totally disconnected from the city that they're so much a part of. Yeah, that's a good point. I think obviously the turtles are always wrapped into New York and this was kind of the best one that showed just a lot of New York too. 
No spoilers, obviously. Yeah, I think this film was good. I think the action style with the animation was my favorite part of it. I'm not too sure about Splinter, kind of how they did his character in particular. I, I, I agree with this. <laughs> I, I don't want to get, you know, not get yeah. into spoilers. No spoilers, but... crazy, but I think, I don't know. I, I didn't love the voice work. Or just the look of his character. I thought and then I was his actions like Jackie throughout. Chan, but... Oh, it's Jackie Chan? It's Jackie well, Chan, yeah. I fucking yeah. love Jackie Chan, so that's tough, but... <laughs> I feel like this Splinter just fits more with the vibe of the movie than, like, True. 90s Splinter would have. Like, it just wouldn't... Like, the idea of him needing to watch great karate movies to learn how to teach them... <laughs> this is. I mean, we've seen, yeah. like... <laughs> the history of like the the origin story has been adapted many times and like it changes with every movie like the originals it's it's very faithful it's a lot the different the source material of him being like trained by a guy in japan and like being a rat the new karate and then getting the mutation and then even moving into like the michael bay movies where it's this weird thing of like megan fox is the mother <laughs> of the turtles and then i think it's that he reads a book to learn how to do karate it's that a karate book which is, is one of my least um, favorite things that they do um, I, I have so many problems with those films. Well, I mean, with the origin stories, too, it's like you think by now they would have it kind of pat down of what the Turtles kind of origin is, but they change it every single movie. They do change it again in this, and I think it just opens up the world a lot more. So I kind of like the direction of that. But I feel like at a point you just need to stop changing the lore. But I feel like they have the good constants. You got the ooze and you got Splinter. <laughs> those are the two things that you need to have a good Ninja Turtles back yeah. origin story. And I feel like as long, if you morph it, and those are still the two constants, it still works really well. And then you can kind of make your movie what you need it to be based off of how you warp that origin story. Yeah. Those constants oh, are kind of what I wanted to talk about a little bit. Because in looking at the Michael Bay films and looking at the 90s films, while they've repeatedly changed the origin story, it feels like this story itself is like they always go back to the same couple beats like we've seen bebop and rocksteady now done officially yeah. twice three times like Cartoon. they kind of did it in secret of the news without doing it they right. made a warthog and a rhino yeah. they just weren't bebop not really and rocksteady. Though, yeah. you know the the shredder is always i mean we get in this one that of like course, the dude. human like trying to annihilate all humans is essentially the same the, the fly's goal in this is the same one from the michael bay you know shredder goal i think maybe that's a, a problem with the turtles is not having like a deep of deep enough villain catalog, especially of when you're trying to create do, IP I that's guess. like recognizable. Shredder's really the one. They tried to do Krang in the live action and that was an utter failure. They obviously go Superfly, um, which is a little bit outside the box. What do you guys think about yeah. Ice Cube as, as Superfly? I actually really liked him and I think there was a lot of voice work that was really, really good. Ice Cube was definitely, I think, the standout. I, I definitely just like recognize his voice instantly too and be like, Okay, it's kind of cool. Like Ice Cube's just a villain in this random animated movie. And speaking of voice work too, Paul Rudd, uh, I think is a scene stealer in this movie. I'm pretty sure Paul Rudd is we just to talk about this. reprising his role from Forgetting Sarah Marshall as the surfing. surf There was some good surfing. instructor. Like the, I he is reference. really just reprising that role and getting to build off of what he was creating in that little bit that is, he was in there. I think, 100% accurate. Uh, this is uh, Sarah Marshall. I think Paul Rudd. That is his best role. That's my favorite. I role love that role. You're doing too much. Bolt day. Yeah. <laughs> Go. Bro. I'm not gonna lie. I think my favorite voice role though is Maya Rudolph as this evil doctor oh, that that's her? eventually milking people. Like, that's her. And I think you definitely pick her up if you're like big into like her SNL skits and stuff like that. She does a lot of voices like that. And I think I picked up on her 
kind of like the way you picked up on Ice Cube right away. I was like, yeah. that is Maya Rudolph. <laughs> That's funny. What do, you, what do you guys think about the, the four main turtles? Were you guys a, a fan of the, the younger cast? I loved them. I feel like it worked really well for me, but I was happy about it. I liked the idea of giving kids an act, like actual role in like when they're supposed to be kids instead of the way like the movies we grew up with with definitely like late 20s playing teenagers like this felt really cool to me i agree i mean like you said i feel like it's the first time we ever saw them as teenagers so it's kind of just a different wrinkle in a movie altogether but i thought they gave a lot more depth to like um leo and donatello than they normally would like mm -hmm. i feel like usually it's all just like oh Raphael's, you know he wants to fight everybody and then mikey's just a crazy guy but I feel like they did give kind of all the turtles more depth. So a lot better than Michael Bay, which is not surprising. Yeah, I mean, they, they, <laughs> Still they, important. Each, they each have unique personalities that are more than just like one singular note. Yeah, um, it goes a little bit deeper than that, which I think is really cool. Any other final thoughts on on the Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem? I'm going to I'm not gonna lie. I was a little disappointed in the amount of pizza that was in this film. I was <laughs> wanting I mean, again, better more. than Bay movies. Good rendered pizza, I will say that. Uh, but they definitely didn't talk about it. They didn't seem very interested. Splinter seemed more interested in pizza, which I think was a, a weird change. Yeah, that's true. He, well, yeah, don't swear. But yeah, not to swear. Splinter's a big pizza guy, evidently. Mikey's always the pizza one. And I was just like really disappointed in the lack of Mikey requesting pizza. I'm being real honest. What did you think about the choice of uh, Leo being the one that is trying to have sex with April O'Neil in this film? Who are the other ones trying to have sex with April? Well, it was Casey Jones. Well, yeah, but I Michael mean, sorry. Bay. As far as Turtles in go. the Michael Bay one, Michelangelo is trying to fuck April, and it's really weird and uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, he is. He's crazy horny for some reason. Who the fuck is Mikey? And that. it's the guy from but Shameless. But then in the second one, Casey Jones and her. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a classic. Um, <laughs> Stephen Amell. Yeah, that's real. So, and he's a cop too. Making Casey Jones <laughs> yeah. a cop, that's, that's horrible. Make sense. Bad, Do you think we'll get a Casey? I, I think we'll, I mean, you know, we're getting Shredder. I, I feel so, like you yeah. gotta get Casey at some point. TMNT, <laughs> thank you for listening. We'll be, be back. back. All right, Cody, so this is gonna be a really one, I think. I Mina is here in the background. Maybe she'll shout some stuff out. Um, she did attend the movie, but she didn't necessarily watch all of it. She was feeling a little sleepy because this movie some might say it's a snooze fest. It was also very late that we saw it. There was a lot of extenuating circumstances. Me, myself, was very tired. I think I'd been awake for about 33 hours straight yeah. when I watched this movie with An you guys. Run, yeah. But we did see it last night. The last two conversations we've obviously had uh, right away after the movies. This one, we've had a little bit of time to sleep and think on it. So with that you know, break... What did you think about Possession? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an interesting movie. I wasn't a massive fan of it overall. I think the acting is good, but it's kind of just like overacting a lot, I think. Mm. Shout out to uh, Alan Grant. Uh, I thought Sam Neill, the man. Yeah, he's pretty good. The The lead two I thought were pretty good. Some of the side characters were, were really weird as well. The main guy, um, what's his name? I'm pulling up the IMDb <laughs> as we speak. Heinrich, there it is. I was hoping to get there Heinrich. before. That, that's why Mina's here. She had it, Heinrich. Heinrich Heinz Bennett. Played by what's his bucket that plays Hannibal, but looks like Hannibal. Oh, mm, it's a it's a, a real <laughs> German actor. He's yeah, in the last Metro. In the kind of, Anthony he doesn't. Hopkins. It is not yeah. Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> but uh, Heinrich, I thought he was like a fun character, but I feel like just like out of place in the movie a little bit. And yeah, obviously she's like a very very intense film throughout. I feel like you could compare it to the Ana de Armas. Uh, Marilyn Monroe movie like oh, it's, it's kind of just like torture porn the entire time like, no I, no I don't no. really enjoy watching it but I think it 
obviously it's like well directed, well acted, but I don't know. Story wise for me, I just didn't love it. I don't, I don't think it's as as, <laughs> as offensive as Blonde. That's uh, no. This obviously, out. I don't think it's that bad of a movie, but it's just like it's a similar structure. I feel like. So I had seen the movie prior <laughs> yeah. to us watching it What'd last you think night. I would say I don't think I enjoyed it as much on the second watch because there is a certain level of um, like the shock factor and the surprise and kind of just like the what the fuck is going on that almost made yeah. it better for me in the first watch. Second time around, it wasn't as surprising. You know, some of that stuff doesn't hit as hard. But I still think it's like really impressive. It's really interesting. It's a 1981 film. It reminds me in some ways of like John Carpenter's The Thing with some of the creature effects and, you know, the extent and the, the gore and the way, you know, how good the stuff looks in the movie. And also just like when it comes to the acting, I think the performances, while they're not like traditionally normal like serious dramatic acting performances i think they're like capital t theatrical in a really interesting way that works for a genre movie like this you know it can work in in a world where it's like this outlandish horror film i think what sam neill and isabel angiani are doing is, is really effective in particular uh angiani i love her in this i agree with that like i said i think the performances are definitely a standout but just like plot wise for me it's just like i don't know what's going on and then there's some, I mean, I don't know if we want to go spoil spoilers, but there's this, this thing. This is an older movie, so like I would feel, I guess, less yeah. bad. Um, if you've seen we, it. We might talk about, you know. The- yeah, I won't spoil too much. But I mean, there, there's obviously this thing and the practical effects, like you said, I think are good on it. But it's not explained at all what it is the entire movie. And then it feels like you're just having like dream sequences and stuff, but they're definitely not. Like, I, I have no idea kind of what is going on in this movie. And at the end, I thought it was, oh, like we're going to get some clarification. And that just never really came. So I think for movies like that, for me, where I just don't understand anything, I'm like, I don't like it. Where, you know, and, and Annihilation is a movie that we've done on the podcast in the past that I think has yeah, a but, similar energy. But nah. do you think that one's just like more easier to understand? It's that one's more like, pure sci-fi and that maybe you can relate to I guess, what it's doing. But that more. one's like leaving it up to interpretation. Well, that's what I think this one does <laughs> in certain ways too, as well. You can kind of examine yeah, what it something. is. Like, I don't know. I think this is a really look at a relationship, a relationship that's falling apart. You've got all the Sam Neill, like is a spy stuff during the cold war and the Berlin wall and, and all those greater themes that you can take into account. And the director is like taking his subject matter very seriously. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can do all that. You can think about it. But at the same time, I also just think it's kind of like, fun like there's a level of like <laughs> what part like, of this movie is fun how how the fuck was this movie fun? <laughs> we were how many times were people laughing last night in the theater I mean, I just just people were chuckling people just were from that character because he's funny we saw this in a movie theater and i think it was a shared experience and we were all just like what the fuck and i think there was something enjoyable they were, they about were the laughing at like the overacting yeah just because the overacting i didn't say i thought it was funny I he's thought it was definitely fun. the comedic relief i feel like so when yeah. people are laughing at that that makes sense right and i mean i think people laugh at other points as well i think that is the enjoyable part about it and and this is a movie that when it was released was kind of you know bashed by critics people were like yeah what the fuck is this and it became a cult classic years later because people you know returned to it and examined it um and then on top of that like the cinematography i love the scene of him in the big weird like airplane hangar where he's like talking to all these agent secret agent guys that are in in charge of him and the camera just pans around in one long take encircling them just very slowly and it, it just it it's unabashedly 
set. It's never going to like pan away or, or move. It's just like we're stuck here and we're staying in this moment. And it, it, it does that uh, throughout. It never really holds stuff back. Yeah, I think it is a really uh, well-made movie. Obviously, I just have some plot stuff that I don't like a lot, but I think the direction and, like you said, the cinematography is pretty ridiculous throughout. I do like that big-ass kind of office, too, because it's like, what? this must be an important kind of thing going on if if kind of this is their setup, I feel like. So I like that. I don't know. It's kind of just like, I feel like this is a movie that you would really connect with or you really don't. Kind of one of those hit or misses, so maybe I just missed. But yeah, like I said, I think the acting and and everything behind the camera as well is good. You know, the writers' room, I I maybe just not the biggest fan of here. <laughs> well, this is, yeah, the, the the dialogue is at points. I feel like the only reason all that works though is because both both of the mains are going just as hard in the same way. That's so the thing. It's like their it, performances are cohesive. Yeah, if yeah. They, if they were cohesive in the way they were going about this performance, it would have been trash. But they, like, I think, saved yeah. it. I mean, it's full committal, and I can really appreciate that. I mean, like you said, Sam Neill's a guy from Jurassic Park. What else? Alan. Do you, you know him from anything else? <laughs> it's it, it's it's cool to see him do something, you know, different, especially, like, yeah. very young. Yeah. That's fair. I, I've not seen, I don't think, anything else really with him dramatic other than the Jurassic Park movies. So that is kind of cool, seeing him in a different role. Hump for the Willer people. That's my shout-out for some some late stage Sam, Sam Neill. Oh, yeah. Interesting. He is the uh, is the father figure in the film. It's the kid from Deadpool too. Well, he was in Jurassic World Dominion uh, just last year, so big box office to that extent. He was still acting to that point, but otherwise, I can't really speak to the future of his career. We're gonna be uh, watching a couple movies here tonight. We're gonna be checking in. We're checking back. What's what's the first movie? What's it called? I don't know. Something deliver. No. Some something bomb shelter. Well, we'll be right back with <laughs> yeah, the answer. Yeah, that sounds right. Actually. This is Blast from the Past. <laughs> this is Blast from the Past. It's a Blast from the Past. <laughs> I think we should start right there with Blast from the Past, the title mm-hmm. of this movie. <laughs> what did you think about that, Mina? I feel like it works, obviously, for the actual movie, but also watching it now, I feel like it's got to... 24 years out from its pretty release. quintessential <laughs> 90s actors. In a meta way. It's almost yeah. become. I do believe in, at one point in the movie, I said, I feel like this is Brendan Fraser playing himself. <laughs> but I think with I With like no on. negative. It's like Brendan Fraser with like all the positivity. 100% positivity. Like it, yeah. that's a, not a bad thing. But I do, I do stick with it. Like I think, yeah, yeah. I think he definitely like how we saw him at all the award shows this last year. Like he's just a very genuine guy and i think he got to portray that in this role this is a strange movie cody <laughs> in as few words as possible yeah, wait, <laughs> i was gonna give you like 10 words but i'll just, words. in few words as possible Probably not describe the, the plot of this movie the plot well i mean off the bat too it's just like kind of like me said it's like the most 90s movie yeah you've ever seen basically you got uh Christopher Walken. <laughs> Fool mice himself. Mice He's guy. walking here. Him and uh, Sissy Spacek, they just accidentally get locked in a uh, a bomb shelter, basically. But it's like the nicest bomb shelter I've ever seen. And then, yeah, they hang out there for like 
30 have years. A kid. Yeah, Brendan Fraser comes out. You know, it's the whole uh, fish out of water thing, basically. Right. That's yeah. a quick summary, I'd say. Not too bad. And he sets out to find love, yeah. which is kind of the core. I mean, That's a big I aspect. Mean, this is kind of, would you consider this a, ro- a rom-com? A drama? Like, what I genre don't... does this fit? I mean, kind of a comedy. I, I, I chuckle. This is a survival movie. Like, he, he's, <laughs> he's setting out to get supplies. Yeah, I mean. To survive. And, and then if he gets to it. Post-apocalyptic sci-fi movie. If he gets degree. to it. Then he finds love. Some religious cult action as well. That's true. I think it's a rom com. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot there's of laughter. Se- there's like some yeah weird serious stuff, but even like yeah the cult like that's supposed to be like comedic I think. I just yeah. so good. I would hope so. I don't know. Adam, Eve, the father, the mother, and the son. Like that's just beautiful. This is uh this is definitely a strange one. I mean it's definitely problematic too. Well, the- <laughs> problematic. Oh not word. even like. <laughs> It's interesting, you know, like we said, watching this blast from the past, you know, it's 24 years this from blast the release from the past, in 1999. Yeah. But there is like this this total attitude in the film of like, it used to be better, right? Like the 60s, you know, people were gentlemen and ladies and like, because like he was from that time period, he's got this like certain level of respect and atti- and obviously yeah. like, yeah, he had great like smart parents. But then when you mix that in with like, his reactions to seeing a black person for the first time on the street and um you know just like the way he is approaching the world in general it's it's a little sheltered and you know it's it's reminiscent of the 60s being problematic and not right yeah um but to me this movie is very much like hey the 60s were a better time it did a really good job of like i feel like that is if someone was locked in a box in the 60s and came out now like those reactions is what would happen like just the mindset that they have back then compared to what we think now. Like, again, he did have, I think, relatively progressive parents that were like, you should still be a decent person to everybody, which is like, great. He was just trying to be a nice person rather than like yeah. immediately showing hate. I think it kind of deals with issues it probably doesn't need to deal with just being like a rom-com. Like it, it doesn't have to address any of those things, I think. I feel like part of it was trying to make jokes on the like, them thinking an apocalypse had happened. Christopher Walken off the bat, I think is the best part of this movie for me. It's probably just because I like Christopher Walken a lot, but I kind of wish he was in the Brendan Fraser role, like kind of vice versa. Like keep Brendan Fraser, like he has a stroke or something. And then Christopher Walken's like, I gotta go out. Cause I think that'd be probably 10 times more entertaining. And <laughs> like- See him pick on the world. I think Alicia Silverstone and Brendan Fraser like have good chemistry. But like plot wise, it doesn't make any sense for them, I think, to be together. So, and they're both kind of crazy, which Do I guess works. But any knowledge as to why the fuck she knows so much about baseball cards? Well, she worked at the baseball card store. <laughs> and she learned as a, at the hobby at the hobby store. She yeah, was, she, that is. You're done with her job. Stores. You're done with them. Yeah, fair enough. She's over. Um, I don't know how long she worked there, but she she became a quick expert. I mean. She knew the exact cost. She was like, oh, Mickey Mantle, that'll run you 4000 That's 4K. <laughs> Roger Hornsby, that's that's two grand. I mean, it's a, it's a good solid two grand for sure. I feel like that's probably um, worth more. What did you guys think about the kind of the approach early on in the movie of like its focus on the world above and then like the jumping of, of time? Because to a certain point, this is, you know, they have to take condensed 30 years into about maybe the first 30 minutes of this movie. How do you think this film handles yeah, that? I think it's an okay setup. I mean... It's only like the first like 10, 15 minutes from the movie, I feel like. And then we have a big jump. You get to, to Brendan, Brendan Fraser, Fraser eventually. Yeah. yeah, The actor jump. I, I don't mind the setup. It's kind of just like this really contained story, which I feel like is interesting for the beginning of the movie. 
obviously at some point they have to come out. I, yeah, I didn't hate it. I kind of dig like the mom slowly getting fed up with her adult son that's never leaving. I mean, that's realistic too. And yeah. like the bar continuously changing to fit the decade they're in. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I don't know. For me, some of those jokes like didn't quite play out and it was like they were really trying <laughs> oh, to build the it entire up. Movie. But, right? but when it got to the, the cult stuff, I think the payoff was effective. Fuck, the cult stuff joke. was good. I think it was okay. Uh, but just the moms, I don't know. I, I like the one joke of... Don't touch my elevator. That's yeah, don't was. touch my elevator. I think that's funny. Everything else with that is <laughs> Christopher Walken. He's a he's. Don't touch my elevator, man. That's a great quote, honestly. But everything else with the coal, I I, I kind of don't like it all. If they gave Christopher Walken more to do in this movie, I feel like this is like the perfect Christopher Walken movie. How do we feel? I agree. About, how do we feel feel about Walken's joke game? It's pretty good. He had a duck joke. Put it on my bill. <laughs> Not nearly as good. We need uh, two mice, two mice. It's probably a banger in the 60s, though. Like, hey, man, people loved in. it. He's, he's killing. All I have to say, doesn't Brendan Fraser also play, at one point, a caveman that's been unfrozen in a movie with... Well, yes. Uh, well, it's like something BC, right? Or like, he does play a caveman at some point. No, I thought it was George. Well, he's George of the Jungle as well. There's a, there's an arc of Brendan Fraser. You are, you're both... Yeah, there is. I, I don't know what it's called. I think it just feels like Brendan Fraser was somebody else. Want, no, isn't that Luke Wilson? Paulie Shore. Paulie Shore and Brendan Fraser movie. That sounds awesome. Yeah, you should watch it. That. Actually, I'll add it to the list of movies you have to so watch. <laughs> no, decent watch. Not Encino Man. Then Encino oh. Man. Thank you. Nick Cage. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say I was disappointed that That's we rented magic, this. Man. You kind of like this movie? I'm not disappointed that we rented it. I, oh, I think it's a good rental. Last thing I wanted to talk about, we did do the rental move. We, very 90s of us. We went very, we very <laughs> went very back, blast from the past 90s. Uh, I think I've talked about it on the podcast before, but like, shout out to the Alamo Draft House in Manhattan and the Kim's video rental that like closed down, but then the collection got donated and it ended up at the Alamo. You're able to go and like just rent their you know any movie from their collection for free for a couple days and then you know if you don't bring it back there's a charge but we picked up three movies and this was the first one i think it was a pretty solid pickup mina what was it about this movie specifically that like made you want to pick it the cast brendan fraser elisa silverstone drew my attention at first i was like why are these two paired together in a rom-com and then I flip it over. Do you think that it got to the point where you're like, this is a believable couple? Yes and no. Okay, well, sorry. Flip it over. Can, I, we'll get I flipped it over and uh. I see Christopher Walken's name. And then I see Sissy Spacek's name. And I went, well, fuck. You got to watch this. You give it a shout. That was a solid I, Honest to God, Cass is the only reason I picked that movie. <laughs> it is a good cast. Respect. I bag it. Finally, Ridden Frazier, Alicia Silverstone, why or why not? Would they work as a pair in this film? I think she is a little too negative. She needs a man. And pessimistic for Brendan Fraser's everything is sunshine and rainbows. Opposites attract, though, you know. It's a great couple. They might be able to make it work. <laughs> Probably not. Hey, man, he, he's got, he's pulling, he was pulling all kinds of ladies. I mean, so I think I the options like are open. She can't even speak French. Out. So, like, yeah. that was his main draw. Claire. And she doesn't want to dance, which was his second draw. She sure. seemed like a better Also, option. if, I mean, the, that divorce money is going to be crazy. <laughs> this guy's rich. <laughs> better sign the prenup. I don't know if she's going to help him. Maybe the, bonds, the homie. Man. The homies will help him out. He's got all his he stocks. His happy friend. <laughs> his happy friend will help him, maybe. Give him the prenup. Well, this, is, uh, this has been a blast from the past.
What a flick. All right, Cody. We back. So we're sitting outside Central Park right now. Last Yay. night, we watched Aliens, the James Cameron sequel to the Ridley Scott classic Alien. And I think you were a big fan of it. So break it down. What'd you think as you're holding an ice cream cone in your hand? <laughs> yeah. Maybe eating and talking a little bit. So excuse that. But yeah, I did actually really like Aliens. Obviously, like the original film, you know, directed by Ridley Scott. It's a bit of a different genre, I would say. It's more or less like a horror slow burn with kind of one one alien. And then Jimmy Cameron comes in for the sequel here and kind of Fresh just... off, I mean, some Piranha. <laughs> this is, I think, his third feature film officially. This is early Jimmy. And uh, he kind of just changes it into a different genre altogether. Kind of just like a fun action movie. I thought it was pretty good, though. I mean, the performances... Sigourney River, I think, is a badass. Um, I've seen a lot of Sigourney Weaver past her prime. I haven't seen that much in her prime. And uh, yeah, she's pretty awesome. So I liked her a lot. Some of the side characters were like kind of weird, dumb, you know, action movie, 80s kind of characters like that, especially uh, Bill Paxton. I thought he was kind of annoying. Overall, was a robot. Yeah, just like the, the tone was really dark and really serious. Like it still had those horror elements that made it fun, even though it is an action movie, I think. So it's kind of a fun genre, but. Yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting because it is very much akin to the classic 80s action film. You know, this is the first time either you or I had seen it, but in watching this movie, the fact that there was an Alien versus Predator crossover kind of makes a lot of sense to me because it seems a lot more close to kind of that world of like the, the 80s B action movie, the Rambo First Blood, the, the, the Predator series, than the original Alien by Ridley Scott. But overall, I did enjoy it. Do you guys like sci-fi horror flicks typically? I mean, obviously, we've brought it up already once. Uh, the classic Annihilation is a huge fan favorite of Cody's. That's more in the sci-fi than it is necessarily the horror. Yeah. But I mean, I think the idea of Lost in Space is something a little interesting to me. You know, you're kind of trapped out there with no resources. I think that's what makes the first Alien so cool. It's just like... You're stuck on the Nostromo with one alien kind of hunting you yeah. down, where this is much more like open world. We're doing battle with, you know, xenomorphs. Would yeah. you stand a chance against the xenomorphs? No. <laughs> you know, I, I would like to say yes. Shout out to the, the classic Cap segment, uh, Cody, Cody versus. versus. Yeah. <laughs> but I think in this movie, I would be in very much trouble, I would say. Yeah. yeah we, no we, chance. We'd be done, so no <laughs> shot. Do you guys think Sigourney Weaver's? portrayal of this character in this is better than any other thing you've seen her in? I think for me, probably, yes. I think it's an interesting question of is she better in Alien or Aliens? It's very different movies, I feel like. Like you're saying, um, like combining horror with sci-fi, I feel like if you just keep it a little bit more sci-fi kind of on the spectrum, that's kind of one of my favorite genres of movies. Like, it can still be scary, but if you keep it just mostly so, like sci-fi action, I feel like it's a good blend. Yeah, I would say probably for me, this is Sigourney's best performance. I think she has a little bit less to do in this movie because the cast is a little bit greater and it's more focused on like this militarized view of approaching the aliens. Whereas in the original, it's like, here's one woman stuck on a spaceship who has to kind of survive till the very end. Which is a good movie still. I will say this movie gives her a little bit of character depth with like the idea of her like kind of taking on this pseudo mother role with the new character and in similar interstellar fashions we talked about her her child literally outlived her and has passed on after 57 years in cryosleep so i think like those aspects are interesting but that's not necessarily 
a testament to Sigourney Weaver being any better in this movie. Yeah. I like the setup of that a lot too. Like the idea of kind of the interstellar thing where you wake up so many years later and like your kids your are entire dead. life is yeah gone it's and done you by so i think that's interesting they definitely milked a lot of the new stuff i think of there's a lot of character development obviously which is good there but it's kind of just similar stuff for multiple scenes but it's definitely emotional like <laughs> how can you not get attached to a little kid who has like survived the aliens through the sewers and stuff like i guess the air vents or whatever but it's hard not to to get attached to newt but they definitely play into that pretty hard i think yeah uh i i think the uh the actress obviously doesn't like have to do a lot of line delivery or anything, but I really enjoyed that character. And like every time she popped back up and it was like the more interesting parts of the movie, as opposed to just like the pure character stuff of like the crew members. I thought you hated child actors. (laughs) Shout out Newt though. Shout out Newt. I'll tell you what, I definitely enjoyed it. I think I do like it more a little bit than Alien. I don't know, like Ridley Scott and James Cameron and I feel like are fairly even directors, but they just do very different stuff. So I kind of like that we got a little bit of different, like, in between the original and the sequel. I think that's more fun than just, like, Ridley Scott coming back. This was another Kim's rental for us last night. Um, We watched the special edition, and I know in your letterbox review you said you wanted to see Cameron take on more Ridley Scott sequels. What's a Ridley Scott movie that you would want to see Cameron direct a sequel to? The Martian, Gladiator. Well, I think Gladiator the Duel, would be the obvious choice. Kingdom but I, I kind of just don't want to see James Cameron do sequels to his own films at this point. Uh, you just don't want to see Avatar 3, 4, 5, yeah, 6, 7. Like just, just stop making Avatars. I think that was mostly my, uh, my hope there. General consensus. Yeah, I understand that. I guess Sigourney Weaver can be involved regardless whether she's yeah, playing a, she's a 10-year-old a, or a, an adult. Hopefully she's getting older soon. We don't know. Well... On to the next. Nice hair, Cody. <laughs> Is that one I think hair? it's pretty reminiscent of what would happen if you were running from the Meg. True. <laughs> sure. 28% on Rotten Tomatoes. Obviously, I think the big story was that the movie debuted at a 0%. Yeah. At least it's do you up. think is it is it deserving of the 28%? I mean, audience score is 72. So, I mean, the people. Oh, wow. The Trench is a fan favorite. The people are clamoring uh, <laughs> for the Meg 2. I think I, I was saying this before too. I don't think it's a zero percent movie. Uh, you know, Rotten Tomatoes by any by any standpoint. I think yeah, thirty like twenty five thirty is a good range for it. Uh, the audience score does surprise me, but I think this movie's pretty fun. Like at least it's having fun, even though like it it definitely knows it's bad. I think or or it knows what it's trying to be. So I, I give it props for that. Zero seems harsh. Yeah, that is tough. That's that's always like nobody likes this movie. And, I don't think that's really the case. Yeah, I mean, I I really didn't think it was that bad. Cody and I both had not seen the original, (laughs) the first uh, iteration of the Meg franchise. So maybe we would have disliked it more if we had seen the first one or maybe we liked it more. Who knows? I I don't know how faithful of an adaptation (laughs) or, you know, a sequel material it was. Mina, I know you're a big fan of the Meg as a as a source material. So what did you think about their, their sequelization of it? I don't know if I would qualify myself as a big fan. My siblings are big fans. I think it's pretty spot on as to like what I would expect from a sequel for the Meg. Like Statham is definitely still rocking it the same way he did in the original. I think it's a big bummer we don't get a Rain Wilson recall in this, but like obviously we shouldn't, you know, with whatever happens in the first. So, I mean, all in all, I think I enjoyed this one a little bit more than the first just because there's a little bit more going on in it. Uh, there's more sharks, which I think is terrifying, but it kind of makes the the fight scenes between humans and Megs a little bit more interesting when you've got 
who you think you know where everyone's at, and then boom, you don't know where everyone's at. <laughs> it's a little more interesting than when you just kind of keep of one shark. You know what I mean? It's true. It's the beauty of the ocean. Three megs. They uh, they upped the ante in this one. They and went. and a fucking octopus, man. Some, and something an octopus big. and. Humans. Fucking dinosaurs. <laughs> and dino and, dogs. And humans as well. So this is the trench. <laughs> what did you think about the, the things that came from deep in the trench? I think all in all, like the bioluminescence, like the aspect of it probably being really fucking cool down there was really interesting. When you really think about down deep in the ocean, it's just dark and there's no light down there from the sun. But the, the thoughts that creatures down there create their own light so that there is light down there that's very intriguing to me and so i thought that was really well done but i really expected them to be in the trench a lot more than they were in that movie yeah i think we talked about that a little bit afterwards where it's just like it felt they could have done more they could have been you know if you're gonna call a movie meg to the trench you should maybe even have your final set piece be the trench but instead we get fun island as the uh the big attack yeah. Between the uh, the Kraken and the Megs, and and of course the human characters. True. Yeah, a lot of side plots in this for sure. Yeah, but like you're saying, I mean, it's kind of like two scripts a little bit converge into one story, which usually I don't think is a good indicator. I really didn't like any of the trench stuff. If I'm being completely honest, I like Fun Island a little bit, just because it's having fun. Obviously, it's in the name. It's in the island. But I mean, like sharks eating people. That's kind of what I I feel like I was signing up for in the Meg. And you got some of that in the trench. It was just kind of really spaced out and you couldn't really see anything. You need some sunlight. Yeah, we, exactly. We don't have that bioluminescence. You got to have innocent people like there too. I think that, that really helps bring it up. But I don't know. I think action wise, like I did just like it better when I was out in the open compared to, you know, a million miles deep in the ocean. Or I feel like the issue with the trench was just more of like, you're just annoyed with humans trying to take over spots that they don't need to take over. You know, you got those explosions that fuck everything up and it's just kind of like annoying there. And that's why everything goes south. I don't know if I would have enjoyed the last set piece being in the trench just because it feels like as far as humans reaction time, it's so slow just because how you move in water is so different than how you move on land and everything. So I feel like that would have been kind of just boring to watch as they get eaten by sharks, you That's know what point. I mean? Statham wouldn't be able to punch in and kick him in the face. Right. Stuff. What about that scene of the in you're in the shark's mouth chomping <laughs> on people? I kind of like that. I thought that was fucking cool. <laughs> Fun we uh, we did see this movie in 3D. True. So uh, the sharks like were, were fully in our immersion. In my opinion, I found the very clearly post-conversion 3D work to be not that great and pretty sporadic in its use throughout. There really wasn't a lot of times where I felt the 3D was really making it worthwhile seeing. Personally, I mean. Yeah, I thought I was great. being eaten by a shark several you, times. Would you, I, I don't know. I think I could have seen it in, in 2D and it would have been the same experience. I think um, it's probably not necessary. But for, for a movie like this, I think it, it makes sense that they would kind of push a 3D release hard too. Just because it's more of a spectacle than anything else. But... And I, I mean, thought it was yeah, okay. you, you got to, you know, add anything you can to, yeah. it, to make it a better experience. I mean, it's underwater, but it's it's no Avatar, I wouldn't say. But yeah, it's okay. on, the, on the ranking of the, the recent uh, aquatic movies that have come out, you know, your Aquamans, I mean, your Avatar 2s, The Way of Water. This never ends, yeah. Does, uh, does it hold up? <laughs> As he only listed two. <laughs> I mean, I could, I could keep going if you, if you really um, need me to. Water movies, water movies are like the new... Po- it's like the new... Uh, timeline uh, 
multiverse. Yeah, I Underwater mean, movies is the new multiverse. Seeing, Watch out 2024. Seeing how people handle it. I mean, obviously, like in The Little Mermaid, I wasn't a huge fan of the water effect That's true. there. I thought it was good. I mean, obviously, they have those cool exosuits. So, like, they're pretty mobile and they can actually do stuff underwater, which I feel like a lot of other movies struggle with, kind of just movement with that. Um, also, they're just, like, walking on the bottom of the ocean. So, it's a little bit different, I feel like. But underwater scenes, I thought were good. Everything with with Statham, uh, you know, against the the Dons on the jet ski at the end. And then he's kind of swimming around in there, too. I thought it was entertaining, at least. It's hard to not enjoy Statham in this movie. Yeah. Like, this is kind of like... some fun, like, dad stuff. It's he's... just, like, exactly what you want to see from Statham. It's just, like, fun action stuff where he is just, I don't know, being Fine way too serious <laughs> For whatever he's in, you know, like, it, and it works. Yeah, I like him a lot. I think we got to talk about uh, my favorite character, DJ, played by Paige Kennedy. Oh the, fuck yeah! The man with the bag and everything you possibly <laughs> ever need. Um, to me, honestly, like his comedic moments were were definitely my favorite uh, just parts of the entire movie as a whole. Yeah. Well, and his character, like in this movie, is definitely dependent on his character in the first movie. Yeah. yeah. That's what and, I was going to say. The development, it seems like in the first one, he, he wasn't as prepared as he As they mentioned, he does not know how to swim in the first one, which is kind of problematic. <laughs> That's ironic. <laughs> yeah, I would say overall this movie is just like not really funny. So like the bits of comedy that do work, like, I, I don't know. I think a lot of jokes land flat. So having some comedy work yeah. for me, it, was, I got to shout it as a positive. He was probably my favorite character, honestly. I feel like every time he's on screen, he's cracking jokes and at least had our audience laughing as well. Like, I don't think we got that from and every else. every time any character interacted with him, it was their best moments as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. DJ's yeah. jokes definitely landed like 99 percent. Cliff of the Curtis time. wasn't doing anything by himself. I can tell you that. <laughs> True. Nobody wants that. I'm just so glad that fucking dog survived. True. Shout out to the, the little doggo. Eh, some other dogs probably died, too. I didn't hate this movie as much as I thought I would. So shout out to it. I might, could, I might watch the Meg one, honestly. If you could have any animal from this movie as a pet. Probably the the dino dogs. Just And then just release them. I'm going full T-Rex. <laughs> That's true. I forget. The T-Rex scene at the, the beginning. That's cool. in the trailer. That's They they basically yeah. show the opening of the movie they, multiple times. They should have played. Like, is that just in got the a trailer? Time machine. They've literally, the entire thing is in the like Really? I guess I have seen the trailer. A lot, Tough to look. Shark uh, comes out, it bites it, it starts playing under pressure. Yeah, it's like make. a Jurassic World thing. Um, I didn't even see that. But they should have just gotten like a time uh, time machine and brought the T Rex into the modern world. Hey, that would have been a great ending. Meg but... three is coming potentially. Hey, the box office writers for this movie up. has not necessarily been. Yeah, we'll see how it does worldwide. Great hit, but yes, worldwide is the big key. They don't really care about Watch this. Fucker so far, it's made two fifty. In the entire world. That's not uh, bad. For, 50 of that domestic. For how bad of a movie it is, that's pretty good worldwide. It's going to be garbage now, and eventually it's going to become a cult classic, and we're all going to be like, why the fuck do people like this movie? Well, <laughs> Mark my words. hot take, I think we should probably end things. Uh, come back in five years to see if uh, there's been the Meg 2 reclamation. <laughs> Thank you, had a year and a half. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We uh, hope the audio quality wasn't too bad for you guys. Yeah. And... Uh, We'll be back with, with more Cap Chats and more Cap episodes as the, the weeks go on. Stay tuned to come. Stay capping. Peace. Peace. What you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room 
is now dumber for having listened to it.